I was having a conversation with my six-year-old son, and we were on our way to a place, and we'd stopped at Sonic to pick up some ice cream. And at some point he said to me, because, Daddy, I think we're going to be late to where we're going. And I said, no, we're not going to be late. We've got plenty of time. And he said, no, we're going to be late, Daddy. And I said, well, why do you think we're going to be late? We just are. I said, okay, well, let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, do you know what time it is? Well, no. Do you know what time we have to be there? No. Do you know how long it takes to get there from where we're at? No. Then how do you know we're going to be late? I just know. You know, there's a, a healthy amount of trust that we should have, confidence that we should have, and sometimes there's an unhealthy amount of trust that we may have in ourselves. And that is what I want to talk about today. Peter, the Apostle Peter, he really believed in himself. And, and confidence is not really a problem if all we have is confidence. But when it becomes an unhealthy belief, when it pushes those boundaries to where you might begin to call it arrogance, then we have a problem. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about a pattern in the life of the Apostle Peter, a pattern that maybe we would find in our own lives, and then ask what are the consequences of that pattern, and can we overcome it? So let me begin by sharing some scriptures with you. I'm going to share them quickly. Just when I want to go through this, and I want to see if you can see a pattern in here with me. All right, the first one is from Luke chapter 5, and it says this, But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That is the passage where they, Jesus said, Put out into the deep and go fishing. They caught the giant catch of fish, and then Peter falls down and says, Depart from me, Lord. Luke chapter 8 and verse 45, And Jesus said, Who is it that has touched me? They're going through all the crowds. The woman has touched him. Power has come out of him. And he says, who has touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. And basically, you're not going to be able to find this out, Lord. Book of Matthew, chapter 16 and verse 22. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. That is Jesus. Saying to Jesus, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Then in John chapter 13, when Jesus is washing the, the, the feet of the disciples, when he gets to Peter, he says this, Lord, do you wash my feet? Then in that same chapter in verse 36, Simon Peter says to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterwards. Well, Peter then says to him, Lord, why can't I not follow you? I will lay down my life for you. Then in chapter 18 of John, in verse 10, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Now, do you see in all of these a pattern? In each one of these cases, Peter acts as if he knows more than Jesus does. In the boat, when he says, Lord, go away from me, I'm sinful. Does he not think Jesus knew that before this whole thing started? When Jesus asked the question, who has touched me? And then Peter's like, you're never going to figure that out. Well, when he asked the question, do you think Jesus thought he'd figure it out? 
Then, I mean, Matthew 16 is very obvious because he rebukes Jesus and then starts telling Jesus what's going to happen and not happen to him. You've got multiple times where Peter thinks he knows more than the Lord knows. He is trusting himself more than he is trusting Jesus. Now, the ultimate expression of that, the one where you see it, uh, it leads into the account we want to study today in Mark 15. This is Mark 14, 27. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Verse 29, Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. You see it again. Peter trusting himself more than the Lord. The Lord says this is going to happen. And Peter says, no, no, no. Even if everybody else does, I will not. There is a pattern of arrogance in the life of the apostle Peter, where he believes more in himself than he does in Jesus. He trusts more in himself than Jesus. It's a pattern of arrogance that I think we need to wrestle with because it's not arrogance in the sense of Peter beating him ch- his chest and just going, I'm better than everybody. I'm the greatest there ever was. Uh, it's more subtle than that. In fact, if you don't lump them all together, you may not even see this pattern where Jesus says one thing, but Peter says something different. Jesus asks for one thing and Peter says, no, that's not possible. You wouldn't even necessarily see the pattern because when we talk about arrogance, there can be a subtlety to it. In fact, I would say Peter would probably describe himself not as arrogant. He would describe himself as dedicated, as passionate. He, he sees the situation for the reality of things. He's protective of Jesus. All of these things, he's willing to do anything that needs to be done. Well, that sounds better, and there's truth to it, by the way, but it sounds better than arrogance. And I wonder how many times we are trusting ourselves more than we are trusting Jesus. Let me give you a couple of examples. Jesus says to store up treasure in heaven. So when we choose to store up treasure on earth, are we not trusting in ourselves more than we're trusting in him and acting like Peter did? When Jesus says, do not be anxious, but seek the kingdom first, and yet we are filled with anxiety and we are seeking to fix our problems and build our kingdoms, are we not trusting ourselves more than we're trusting him and acting like Peter? When Jesus says, get the log out of your own eye before you can help take the speck out of your brother's, and yet we insist on focusing only on what others are doing wrong, are we not trusting ourselves more than we are trusting the word of Jesus and acting like Peter? When Jesus says, treat others in the way you want to be treated, but instead we treat them poorly, we treat them from our hurt or our anger, we treat them for our benefit and not for theirs, we don't give them the benefit of the doubt as we would want the benefit of the doubt given to us. Are we not trusting ourselves more than we are trusting Jesus' word and acting like Peter? See, over and over again, you can see this in Scripture. When Jesus says one thing, but we choose something different, it's like we say, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to take my will, not yours. I'm going to trust me over you. Because here's the thing, if I do it your way, 
I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm not sure if the end result is going to be something I even want. I'm going to keep doing it my way. I know you are the creator of the universe, but I am acting like Peter. So the other day I was going to pick up my kids from school and I was running really late and there's a lot of stop signs in our neighborhood, honestly stop signs that I'm not sure what purpose they serve. And at one of these stop signs, I slowed down a lot, but I only slowed down. I never actually stopped. And as I kind of rolled through that stop sign, somebody drove by me, rolled down their window and just yelled at me like, you need to stop. And I thought, man, what a jerk. Like, normally I do. I'm a pretty good driver, but I'm running really late here to get my kids. I don't want them waiting for me at school. Well, before I even got out of my neighborhood, I watched somebody else roll through a stop sign. And I thought to myself, man, why don't they obey the laws? Oh, there it is. That's the subtlety of the arrogance. I mean, that is, I am not treating him like I want to be treated. I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt in the way that I want the benefit of the doubt which means instead of listening to the words of Jesus, I'm trusting me more than I'm trusting him, acting in arrogance. And you know what? Arrogance can be very much a part, not just of our relationship with Jesus, but with each other. I mean, with those all around us where we judge them, much like I was doing in the car, where we rarely take responsibility for our actions, but instead blame others for things, as if it's all their fault and not ours. When we don't really listen to what people are saying, we just assume things and then we get mad at them for it. I mean, we're judging them. We're acting in arrogance as if we know more than we actually do. Sometimes our arrogance can even be protective. Um, I read this really interesting article um, by Dr. Sarah Scarborough. Um, She's been doing research on relapse and pride and how these things interact with one another. And in this article, she talked about this man who had been clean for a long time, and then he relapsed. And when he relapsed, he didn't want to share it with his family. And he didn't want to share it, he told himself, because he didn't, you know, things had made such good progress, it'd be such a burden on them, he didn't want to be that burden. But what it really came down to is arrogance. He thought he could do it on his own, and he didn't want them to look at them in a certain way. And when he handled it in that way, he ended up back on cocaine and back in jail. Arrogance is not a good thing in any way. Arrogance is not going to help us live for Christ. All it does is it instead makes us trust us more than we trust him. And we end up much like Peter. You see, there's two consequences that we can see in the passage we're now going to look at. This is Mark chapter 14 beginning in verse 66, two consequences of this arrogant kind of thinking of trusting in me more than I trust in Jesus, of not seeing others for who they are, but really relying too much just on me. Verse 66, and as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. So to get the picture Um, There in the lower courtyard and then up a level, Jesus is actually on trial before the religious leaders. These two events are happening simultaneously. Peter sneaks in and he's by the fire. And so you have the light of the fire on his face. And the servant girl comes and she looks at him. And in the Greek, she really stares from him. It's like when you notice somebody and you think, I think I know who that is. 
and you stop for a moment and you stare and they're like, oh yeah, that is that person. That's what she does. And she says, you are the Nazarene, you were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. All right, the first consequence of um, arrogance that we see in this passage is there is a blindness that comes to us. So he makes this denial and then this happens and he went out into the gate. All right, what he's doing is he's going into like a corridor. He's trying to get away from the firelight so that the rest of the bystanders won't look at him and won't notice who he is. So he's trying to get away from that light and the rooster crowed. Now, just previous to this, Jesus said, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And you know what? This rooster crows and Peter doesn't even notice. He doesn't even see it. He doesn't hear it. As he does the very thing Jesus said he was does, he would do, he doesn't even notice this warning. It's like the rooster crows once almost to go, hey, Peter, wake up. You're right in the middle of doing that very thing you said you wouldn't do in your arrogance. But Jesus said you would. And right now you're trusting yourself more than you trust him, but he can't see it. Verse 69, and the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystander. So it's like he's getting away, but even before he's gone, before he gets to the darker place where he can hide, the servant girl sees him and begins to say again to those around him, this man is one of them. Like, look at him, everybody. And so all eyes start turning to him. Well, now, Peter, he denies it again. He's like, no, no, that's not me. I'm not him. And he gets into the darkness. And after a little while, now we know from other gospels that this is somewhere between an hour and two hour period. It's the entire time that Jesus is on trial. So Mark just says a little while, but it's been a while. But after a little while, the bystanders again say to Peter, certainly you are one of them for you are a Galilean. And again, uh, but again, he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. Now, in Greek, probably, he's not invoking a, a curse on himself, but on Jesus. I mean, this is really like Peter is doing everything he possibly can to distance himself from the Lord. He's doing the very thing Jesus said. He's scared from all these people noticing, getting arrested. Jesus is on trial. He can hear the, the testimony of the high priest and the, and the other, the other uh, Sanhedrin members as they are yelling out their, their, their things against Jesus. And Peter says, I curse him. I, I, I swear I do not know him. Um, he's doing everything he can to distance himself from Jesus. And it, it, it probably works. Um, it's that severe. He probably gets off. Now, what I mean by that is that the bystanders likely believe him. Um, he, he made it such a dramatic statement. They probably believe him. He could probably walk away. The thing is, he has been blinded by his arrogance. Arrogance does that to us, that he can't even see that through this whole big period of time, he's doing exactly what Jesus said he would do until and immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. You see, our arrogance blinds us to what's really going on around us. It blinds us to people. It blinds us to warning signs like that first rooster crow. It blinds us to see the ways in which we may be blaming others. 
the ways in which we're not taking responsibility ourselves, the ways in which we're trusting ourselves more than we're trusting even Jesus, arrogance blinds us, as it did to Peter. But arrogance also leads to downfall. And that's what happens here. And he broke down and wept. There was no way Peter was going to escape this. You see, all of the arrogance, all of the ways in which he wasn't really listening to Jesus, all the ways he was trusting in himself, all the ways he would compare himself to others, all of that ultimately leads to his downfall. Because there's only so long we can continue to lie. There's only so long we can continue to hold ourselves up in ways that aren't true. There's only so long we can just blame others. There's only so much we can trust in ourselves before we let ourselves down. You see, arrogance blinds us and it leads to downfall. John Bunyan wrote this, He that is down needs fear no fall. He that is low no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. And that that is beautiful and it is true, but it will never take place with arrogance. So how do we overcome arrogance? I mean, by this point, maybe every person who would hear this might be thinking to themselves, at least in some ways, I am trusting myself more than I'm trusting Jesus. At least in some ways, I am not treating people the way that I would want to be treated. I'm not listening well to people at times. I'm judging them unfairly. I'm not really taking responsibility where I need to. We're practicing. There's patterns of arrogance in our lives. How do we overcome it when it blinds us and leads to downfall? And we don't want that. A couple of things. Number one, we need to repent. The very first message Jesus had when he came, repent and believe the good news of the kingdom. But there had to be repentance. There had to be the recognition that we're going the wrong way and we got to turn around. So number one is repent and and listen to this. It does not matter how arrogant you may have been. It does not matter how long you may have been arrogant for. It is never too late or too much for Jesus to forgive us. I mean, just look at Peter. Peter is the great apostle Peter. He is the one that God the Father revealed the identity of the Son to. So Peter could say, you are the Christ. He is the one chosen. He is the one who walked on water. I mean, this guy is the the, the ultimate. He's the head of the apostles. And yet he denied even knowing Jesus. While Jesus was on trial, he cursed him. He swore he was nothing to do with this guy. And yet in John chapter 21... It is Jesus who comes to Peter to restore him. Jesus will always restore us when we come to him. And he is constantly looking for us. We can always repent. And that's the first thing. We notice our arrogance, repent. Number two, and I'm going to use this word and then I'll explain it. We need to compare ourselves. And I know that's probably the opposite of anything. Isn't that what Peter did? He was comparing himself to all the others. But here's the thing. We don't compare ourselves to others. We compare ourselves to Jesus. We need to stop comparing ourselves to others. That was part of Peter's arrogance. Even if all of them do, I won't. Now, granted, all the apostles said the same thing. They were all arrogant in this way. But when we compare ourselves to other people, 
usually we end up coming out on top. And if we don't come out on top, then we get angry or bitter or upset. We cannot compare ourselves to others. That's not the comparison. We compare ourselves to Jesus. And you know what? If you're comparing yourself to Jesus, you're going to lose every time. And if you're winning the comparison, I think you've got something wrong with your view of Jesus. We are meant to be compared to him. So I, the other day at a cello lesson, and I thought this was just really a great illustration. Um, my other son, my eight-year-old son, he takes cello. And as he started the lesson, his cello teacher said, do you notice that you're not in tune? And my son kind of gave him a quizzical look. And then he goes, you know, actually, you probably don't. You're still new to this. You're eight years old. You probably can't hear it. But he said, I'm going to show you a way where you can hear if you're in tune. And so he had him play a fourth finger G note. And when he played it and he got it right, there was a ring to the instrument. And the teacher said that is called sympathetic resonance. You see, there's an open G string on the cello. So when you play the perfect G note, that vibration will ring the open string. It'll hum. It'll, it'll ring out. So you don't actually have to know what in tune is just naturally. You don't have to have perfect pitch because if you get the right note, the cello will ring. It's a sympathetic resonance. Now, if he moved a little bit up or a little bit down, wouldn't ring anymore. That's what we need with Jesus. Sympathetic resonance with his life. See, what we are called to do is not know all the answers, not get everything right, but we're called to look at his life, look at his teachings, and then go, my life needs to look like that. I want to do those things so that I have that ring with him. I have a sympathetic resonance with the life of Christ. That's my comparison. Because when we are comparing ourselves to him, when we are trying to live his life, guess what? He was never arrogant. He was humble. He was always doing the right things with the right attitude for the right reasons. So when we compare to him, then we can leave our arrogance behind and we can start living the way he lived. And so number one, repent. Number two, compare ourselves to him to find that sympathetic resonance with his life. And then number three is to trust. Not in ourselves, which we do a lot of that, but to trust in him. And I know that sounds so cliche, but you know, it's one thing to look at the life of Jesus and to know what we're supposed to do. It's one thing to look at the teaching and to know what we're supposed to do. But when he says store up treasure in heaven, it's a whole other thing not to store it up on earth. It is going to require not only that we turn, that we know what he wants, but that we actually trust him. We trust our King's love so that we will then follow his will. We will actually do what his life was in our lives. Um, so I read this really neat article in uh, March um, 8th of 2014. There was a downhill skier. This guy is doing almost 75 miles an hour down the hill, making turns and all of these things. And the most fascinating part of the article is he was blind. How does a blind skier get down a mountain doing 75 miles an hour? Well, there's a, there's a guy that rides right in front of him, about 20 feet. There's a radio that's connecting them. And it's his guide that he's been working with a lot. It's the guide who speaks into the radio so he can hear, but the skier can also just vaguely make out kind of black shape 
And so he's watching the best he can, watching for movement and listening to movement, but he's got to act. He's got to trust. When his guide says, right, he's got to go right. Whatever those commands are, but that's the image of us. Jesus is before us. He's that trailblazer before us. And he's asking us to trust him, to make our movements his movements, to do those things that he is saying. And when we do that, we can overcome our arrogance. All of us struggle with it. It's too easy to trust ourselves and not trust him. But that blindness and that downfall doesn't have to be our story when we will repent of our arrogance, we will compare ourselves to the life of Jesus, not to other people, and we will trust his life so that we can have that sympathetic resonance. We can begin to be more like Jesus. God, please help us, help all of us to know your son better, to see the ways that arrogance is playing in our lives and blinding us the way we may be hurting others and ourselves, the ways we're not trusting Jesus, but we're really, if we get down to it, trusting ourselves. Help us to repent. Help us to look more closely at his life and his teachings, and then to trust them, just like the blind skier would trust his guide, and that we would follow Jesus and overcome arrogance and become more like him. In Jesus' name, amen.